to get past the initial level, you have to have the drive and passion too. Yeah. I mean, I didn't mention I mean, I didn't mention this, but when I first moved to Atlanta, I had a truck and a trash bag full of clothes, and I slept at TI Studio for nine months. Wow, that's so, dedication. Yeah, and that's that's what you have to have. I mean, because I mean, there, there's been times where I've been jaded too, and I've I've wanted to quit and go get a regular job. You know, but like every time I would get a regular job, I'd quit and go back to music. Like, I don't have a choice. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it picked you. You didn't necessarily pick it, right? Exactly. Yeah. I was ready to quit like two days ago. <laughs> screw, this, screw this being on call crap. It's two in the morning. So, no, I'm just joking. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is episode number four with audio engineer for today's hip-hop hitmakers, Joe Fitzgerald. Welcome to Fader Jocks. My name is Brian Stevens, freelance musician and recording studio professional. And each week, we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you grow and develop as an audio engineer, music producer, or recording musician. Thanks for hanging out with me today. Now let's push up those faders. This episode is brought to you by Waves Audio. Now I've been a ground level in the trenches user of Waves Audio plugins for over a decade. And I rely on these amazing audio tools on a daily basis. I could not do the work that I do as a professional audio engineer without the Mercury Bundle, the SSL Bundle, the Abbey Road series of plugins. Heck, the podcast you're listening to right this minute was mixed and mastered using Waves plugins. The proof is in your ears right this very second. Now, if you'll go to faderjocks.com slash waves, you can check out some super special prices on some of the plugins that I use the most. And I'm super stoked to have Waves as a title card sponsor of our podcast. Now, show us some love by going to faderjocks.com slash waves and pick up some amazing audio processing tools for your own personal recording rig. Waves Audio, it's what the pros use. Man, oh man, oh man, I gotta tell you, episode four is uh, the episode that almost wasn't this week. I set the goal for myself to put this podcast out every single Tuesday and so Tuesday very quickly slipped to Thursday with this last episode and uh, has everything to do with what happens in the front part of my week, production meetings and, and different things that I have going on Monday and Tuesday. So I thought, oh, yeah, Thursday would be a good one. Didn't mind putting that that one out on Thursday last week. Didn't like it, but didn't mind. I thought, okay, well, Wednesday or Thursday, that sounds like sounds like a nice static time that I can set, goal I can set for myself. And here it is. It's a, it's 1 a.m. on a Friday morning, and I'm cutting this little intro for you just to say hello and uh, to set up this really, really awesome episode with uh, a newer friend of mine uh, that we'll talk about in a second. Frustration. If there's a theme for this week for me, if I'm just being totally transparent with you, I mean, it's just it's just me and you. There's nobody else listening to this freaking thing, right? Especially not at 1 a.m. on a Friday. Nobody's listening to me but me right now. Anyway, uh, frustration. Uh, 
there's a there is my theme for the week and um even with a career that I really absolutely love and doing work that I'm really super proud of and having the ability to to basically wake up every day and decide what the heck do I want to do today and work hard at whatever that chosen endeavor is you know whatever that project is that's on the calendar or that gig or whatever it is there are times I get frustrated and usually there's some point in every day when I get frustrated there are a lot of times I can work through that I can work through my frustration and that's a creative constructive way to take that energy and funnel it into some kind of productive thing that I can do and um but there are times and this week I I had a couple of times when just frustrated you know good problems to have I guess you know more to do than time to do it uh, and a lot of it is having big dreams and not enough uh, time or energy to do all the things that I'd like to do say yes to all the projects I'd like to say yes to or um, especially now, like with the podcast, taking on some uh, projects that are more uh, pet projects with a, a bigger plan in play. Yeah, there's there's a bigger plan here than just wake up and do some work for somebody and get a check at the end of the day. The, this podcast is definitely one of those things that plays into that bigger picture. But uh, yeah, to, to wake up and be frustrated... Uh, one of the ways I deal with it if I can't work through it is I just give up. And, and, and that sounds like maybe a losing proposition. Uh, but really, for me, the, the idea of giving up is to just put down the work. Put down the work. If, if I'm not feeling it, uh, if I can't seem to push through it, and uh, like this week, I went and saw the new Jack Reacher movie. So for two hours, I sat in front of the IMAX screen and just vegged on an action movie. And not only did that get the dopamine going in my brain and get me uh, you know, pumped up and excited, because it's a pretty good movie, it, it just gave me a break from the concentration that happens in, in any given day. And uh, so that that was one of my one of my respites. Uh, and occasionally, I wake up. Mornings are difficult for me. Um, I wake up, and and now that I've got dogs to walk in the morning and dogs to feed, I sort of uh, get up, and that gets me rolling. But um, there are times when my idea of of uh, playing hooky is to just take the first half of the day. And just do stuff that has no real consequence in the world, you know. And sometimes that's go see a movie. Or other times it may just be, case in point, uh, yesterday I just uh, I woke up, walked the dogs, got them fed, put them in their little safe area so they don't mess up the house. I went back to bed for an hour. You know, here it is 9.30 in the morning. Normally when I'd get into practicing drums or um, if I had pressing work I had to get to right that moment, I'd get right to work on some things. Uh, sometimes I'll have to go into the city for a live event, maybe mix something live or, or play on a corporate gig. Or 
And nine thirty the other morning, I just I had that uh, that frustration of looking at the day and just going, you know what? I just don't feel like this. I really don't. I just I can't I can't seem to bring myself to do it. So I went back to bed for an hour. <laughs> so from nine thirty to ten thirty, I just went back to bed. And I don't do that a lot, but I did that this particular morning, and it did the trick. Set my alarm for an hour. I woke up at 10.30, and amazingly, it's it's like the battery got recharged, and all of a sudden, I could get back to work, and I could feel refreshed, and it it, yeah, it did the trick. So I, I'm curious, for people that are listening, what are some strategies that you use when you're frustrated or you're burnt out, and you can't really take a vacation? You can't just go away to the beach for a few days. You got to stay on task and at least try and meet your deadlines. So email me at uh, faderjocks at gmail.com and and tell me what some of your strategies are to overcome your frustration or your burnout. And uh, I'd like some ideas. And maybe I can uh, present some of those on the show and, and mention you and thank you for your participation in the show. And uh, I would love that. I would love that if we'd uh, have that little uh, back and forth. It'd be awesome. And uh, so anyway, let's get into the show. So today, today's interesting because the last three interviews I've had are with people that I'm, I'm very, very good friends with, people that I've known for quite a while. And I've worked with uh, in some kind of capacity. Uh, today's interview is a little different, and it's a nice, uh, nice exercise for me. Uh, today, my guest is Joe Fitzgerald, and Joe is a great engineer here in Atlanta that I've had a chance to to hang out with and sit around and, and cut up with and have some beers and have a good time. But we really haven't uh, we haven't worked together. So this is different for me. i'm I'm actually learning some stuff about Joe as we're talking. And, and Joe Fitzgerald, is a great young audio engineer that's working here in Atlanta. He's a graduate of Full Sail, where he got his master's degree. And he finds most of his time is spent in the hip-hop world. Atlanta is a hip-hop town. It's a, a mecca for rap and hip-hop. And uh, some of the the top-tier clients that he's worked with include rappers like T.I., Kevin Gates, and currently, the guy that keeps him employed every single day, rapper and uh, hip-hop producer, B.O.B., Joe's done some amazing work on these hip-hop records. Uh, and everything I've heard from uh, his very first breakout major label album where he uh, he worked on The Adventures of Bobby Ray and had a number one record with that back in 2010. His work on soundtracks for movies like Furious 7, he's been nominated for Grammys, he's had some of his work uh, go gold. So Joe's really working at that really high tier of the the music business. And today, we're going to sit and talk for a while, and he's going to tell you some some really cool, interesting stuff. We're going to talk about, uh, among other things, he's going to tell you what the vocal chain is that he uses for B.O.B. 
we're going to talk about one of the most common misconceptions that people have about Joe and working in hip-hop and R&B music as an engineer. He's going to tell you about his favorite, most inspiring engineer, the guy who really is the high watermark for him and the thing that he tries to emulate. I think it's going to surprise you. It's not going to be who you think. He's going to talk about what his goals and the things that he reaches for with the mixes that he puts together. And he's going to talk about the importance of being a part of a community like the one we have here in Atlanta, which has some amazing, amazing audio engineers. in it. And if you're not familiar with Joe and his work, I'll make sure to post some links to some of the projects that he's worked on, probably do YouTube clips of different songs from different albums from Kevin Gates and B.O.B. And that's one of the great things about uh, hitting faderjocks.com. If you go to the entry for this particular show, which should be faderjocks.com slash 004, you can get all of the information about Joe that you'd need and also hear some of his work. So that's plenty of yapping for me for this week. Let's go and hang out with my buddy, the one, the only, Joe Fitzgerald. guys today i've got my buddy joe fitzgerald and we're hanging out and we're talking about audio engineering say hey to everybody joe hey how you doing everyone so joe i gave them the whole you know 411 complete information on you before we started but for just a second tell us what are your current income streams how do you make money as an engineer Okay, well, first of all, I work for an artist, directly for an artist, B.O.B. Most engineers um, either work for a studio, they work for a producer, or work for an artist. And the uh, the route that I've taken over the past uh, eight, nine years is working directly for an artist, B.O.B. So that's my main uh, gig, is uh, working for him. Now, in addition to that, um, I basically work two jobs because I mix during the day, uh, for usually for Atlantic Records, um, and then I record at night. Okay, so it's 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 a whole. You're tracking some stuff, you're mixing some stuff. Mm-hmm. For for Bob, say for Bob, uh, I record and mix uh, most of his music, ninety five percent of it. Um, but then when I'm mixing with my, you know, that's my other job. That's solely mixing. Uh, Bob is the only person I record nowadays. Gotcha. Now, is yeah. that because he just stays so busy? It was that a, a choice? Yeah, I mean, he just he stays busy, and we're, and we're always working. Um, it's it's been about um, wow, about two mixtapes before the first album. We've been working together. So, yeah. give us a glimpse, really quick, into what a typical day may look like for you in doing that. As soon as I wake up, take a nice hot shower, grab a cup of coffee, and start mixing. You know, and then uh, you know, some days I'll you know I'll I'll have off. I don't have to go into the studio to record Bob and. I just continue mixing, and then other days, you know, I get I get a call and a score schedule, and you know, mix in the morning and have to go record at night, you know. So I typically start around like uh, nine ten a.m. and sometimes work until two a.m. and um, you know, long hours, but you know, it's the way you got to do it. Unlike a traditional kind of freelance guy, where you're at the beginning of the month, at least for me, I'm always looking at the calendar and seeing white space and figuring out how am I going to fill that white space up. Um, 
and pl- I plug things in that way, and it seems like every month's kind of like building a house, you know? You just right. start over from scratch at the beginning of the month. But yeah. With working with an artist like that who is your primary client, how far in advance do they let you know, well, here's what we're going to do? Uh, that's, 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 a, that's an ongoing weekly thing. Actually, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of nice because it's, it's, it's a very stable um, income stream. Right. Um, and then, well, freelance, the, the mixing is freelance. And that's, that's where my schedule, you know, month to month, or really, you know, I, I don't know till about a week before or maybe even the day before, you know, if they need a single done. Um, right. So that's where, like, the, the downtime gets populated as I go. But uh, month to I mean, month to month, I mean, I've, I've been, like I said, consistently working with Bob, you know, for, for years now. Well, take us back for a second and tell us about your, your past educational avenues, your, your experience. Your, how did you learn to do what you're doing now? Well, I did go to school, uh, Full Sail University, recording arts degree from there, and also a master's in entertainment business. But really, um, you know, I, I did that whole uh, degree there. And but really, most of it comes from experience, just being thrown into the fire. I mean, when I just I started out as an intern, and I just jumped right in there. And sometimes, you know, I mean, you can't you can't be taught in school certain things that go on or certain workflows like they can't teach you workflows in school and um, how to handle um, this kind of artist or that kind of artist uh, these needs or those or, the, or, or those needs that's all that's all from experience Got so um, but I did go to school um, but really school of hard knocks man yeah. getting in there and being thrown into the fire sure you know well how do you keep up with current technology now how do you continue to learn continue to grow other than the on-the-job training? Um, well, it's kind of on an, on an as-needed basis. It, I mean, it, for me, really, like, you know, I, I don't necessarily go and seek out um, new technology or, or new plugins. Or, like, if I see something um, or if there's something I'm trying to do, I'm like, man, I need to figure out another way to do this. And then I'll go on a search. Um, but once once you get so entrenched in the... Um, the, the musical aspect of what you're doing, like the, the technical stuff actually starts to become a little bit secondary. You know what I mean? It's, it's just uh, it enables what you're trying to do creatively, the technical uh, portions of it. Got you, got you. If that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, I mean, like right out, right out of school, I was totally that kid that, that knew every single spec for like every computer, for every yeah. console. And now I'm just like, man, I'll just Google that if I need it, you know, because <laughs> yeah. there's only so much you can you can hold in your brain there, you know. Yeah, you free so. up your bandwidth and wherever yeah. you can. <laughs> you run, it, run into a snag and you got to figure it out and, and you just, you know, kind of dive into it then. So the majority of the music you work in is hip hop music? Yes, was that a conscious decision? Is it a music that you loved and that's what you pursued? Or is that just where the opportunity fell? Honestly, I grew up playing guitar in bands. Um, and I often listened to, to rock in my, in my spare time. Um, I moved to Atlanta. I had a, a friend here that I went to Full Sail with. And um, I, I grew up in Philadelphia. And I was just looking for bigger work. And I was invited down here to, uh, to get a start. And Came down and, and started working in hip hop. I started working at uh, TI Studio, which is where I eventually met Bob. What brought you specifically to Atlanta? Was there something about the music scene or the people that you met as you were going to school? Was there a, a confluence of things that made that decision happen for you? Yeah, I'll be honest. I'll be honest with you. I really got into hip hop at like as I was here working. Um, 
I'll be, I'll be honest, at the time, I didn't even know who T.I. was, and I started working at a studio. And then I'm like, oh, this is who, oh, wow, okay, cool. So, like, I, I kind of I grew up with it once I got here, right. you know, if, if that makes any sense. Just, be, just being steeped in it every day. My older son is, a, is an up-and-coming audio engineer, and, and hip-hop mm-hmm. is his, his music of choice. It's the stuff he loves. It's most of what he works on. And, uh, and I happened to tell him one day, you know, I know a guy that's mixed some Kevin Gates stuff. Right. Have you, do you know who this Kevin Gates is? And of course he flips out, you know, and all of a sudden <laughs> what dad before, it doesn't matter what dad has done or, or who dad knows most of the time. Dad's not real cool. Mm. All of a sudden I got to be real cool. Cause I know I knew Joe Fitzgerald who had worked on some of Kevin Gates stuff. What what is a common misconception that maybe younger up and coming audio engineers have about you or the business that you're in as a as a hip hop engineer? Because hip hop has a persona, it has sort of a gloss to it. Do people expect that that you're bling and and uh, you know, that whole kind of hip hop culture? Well, let me go back a second, uh, back to the fact that I, I grew up playing guitar and, uh, in, you know, in musical groups. Um, B.O.B. himself is is a great musician. I mean, he plays guitar, uh, bass, all kinds of stuff. I mean, we're setting up drum kits for, for his music. And, he, he, I mean, he's hip-hop, but he's he does it all, you know what I'm saying? And actually, the way I, I started mixing uh, Kevin Gates' uh, stuff was, um, was, I think it was the... Not Murder for Hire 2. It was the, oh, I forget what the name of the mixtape. But anyway, uh, B.O.B. Uh, produced a track on there, and um, and so did another producer that I know. And that's how I ended up mixing for them. So I did a couple songs, and I'm like, wow, you know, we'll give you a whole bunch more. Right. But my point, my point is, um, people do just assume that you know, I've been listening to, to rap all my life or that's that's all I'm interested in. But really, that's one of my favorite things about working with B.O.B. is that he he challenges me on a constant basis in a musical way. You know, he um, he's constantly trying to, you know, invent new ways to, to make different sounds. Or, I mean, we were we were running a keyboard through guitar pedals, like, and out through an amp and, like, miking it, like, doing just crazy stuff. Yeah, I, I guess there's a, a little bit of a misconception, but you know what? I mean, I don't really present myself that way either. Right. You know, I, I present myself as you know an engineer who's who's there to to come in and be professional and uh, take care of whatever needs the artist has as far as you know the sound they're going for. And and really, I mean, it could go anywhere. I mean, I mean, we've even you know sampled drum machines, but at the same time, sampled live instruments for you know all kinds of stuff. Well, are there any things specific to working in hip hop? that are uh, vastly different than working in, say, rock or pop or country or, or something that, that is probably elect- less electronically based? Are there any specific challenges? Well, I mean, there's definitely a way different workflow. Um, you know, usually, I mean, sometimes, I mean, it's different. B.O.B. is a little different because he produces a lot of his own music. So we'll literally be in the studio. He will make a track, mm-hmm. and then we'll import it, and then we'll do the vocals. Right. Um, but I mean, we could work on about five, six, seven, eight ideas in one session, hmm. um, and then you know from there we'll you know one or two of them will move forward with the next day. Um, it's a little bit different, um, you know, when you're recording a rock band because you know usually they're all rehearsed right. and they're you know everything's written, um, and then you know there's already a demo recording, and then you go into you know record, you know the actual studio version. 
Um, but like the entire workflow in hip hop is it's kind of more simple, but it's also um, much more fast paced because the ideas are just flowing, 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 flowing. And um, really, you have to be on your toes. Um, it's it's less preparation. Like you, you do have to be prepared, but it's not like it's less planned. It's it's a little bit more chaotic, mm-hmm. but not as yeah. It's, it's just not you don't you don't have a chance to say okay. I'm you don't have a track um, a track sheet and all that stuff. Right. You just have be prepared to do this. They may want to hook up a keyboard. They may want to hook this up. That up. Does that answer your question? Oh yeah, yeah for sure, okay. for sure. So it sounds like with bands, uh, yeah, there's a lot of pre production. Mm-hmm. At least um, yeah, pre 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 pro is, is gone. In, yeah, in hip hop, there, there is no pre. Yeah, it really does sound like you're just running with the muse, kind of, and, and letting inspiration take you yeah. where where it goes. And that that first recording is usually the final recording. Artists do not like to go back and re-record something at all. So you have to be prepared. You have to you have to get it right the first time. The mm-hmm. sound has to be right, um, in everything you do. And like I said, that initial recording is going to be the final recording. Right. And there's a challenge with that mixing too, because like say, um, I was just, I'm not going to mention names, but I was just working with a brand new artist, um, and their, their first projects getting mixed and the vocal recordings are just terrible. Like, you know, in the, you know, in the bedroom and you just kind of have to, you know, manage and make it work and, and even actually celebrate the, the rawness of the, uh, the recording. Like, uh, seriously, you make it shine the best you can, but like, Hey, let's just celebrate the fact that it's raw. Um, so there's a challenge too, but that further proves the point that that first recording is the take in hip hop. Right. There is there is no going back and re-recording, no overdubs. Right, right. Are there any specific tools that you use to keep yourself organized with that constant flow of ideas and iterations of ideas? If you're working on five or six different things and you end up keeping one or two, obviously those other ones. Uh, those other ideas end up somewhere. You don't want to forget them, I guess. Do you have any kind of way to keep up with that? Yeah, I mean, everything's organized on on a, on a hard drive. Um, you know, by month and then by session, you know, like where whatever studio we're at, and then everything's labeled um, the so- song title, the producer, um, the artists that are um, on that song. I do have a a template that I've you know developed for myself um, that I use every single time. So there's a level of consistency on my end. First of all, there's a level of consistency in the sound for mm-hmm. the artist. Like um, like when B.O.B. is in the booth, his voice always sounds the same to him. You know what I mean? It's a very consistent thing. He never has to worry about um, the way his voice sounds. Or, you know, he'll ask me to put an effect on or this or that. Um, but as far as... Um, I was actually just ta- talking to someone the other night. Uh, engineering is, for you know, especially for an artist or a producer, like one of our main jobs is to be an enabler, right? Yeah. And what, what I mean by that is to enable their creativity and to never be a roadblock. So that consistency of a template and uh, consistent mic chains, consistent sounds, and, not, and you know being prepared for or minimizing technical issues before they ever arise, um, that's part of the job. That's how to be prepared is to pr- provide a consistency. In getting B.O.B.'s vocal sound... Is there a particular signal chain that you've come to rely on that you just you go this this works for him no and no matter what we're doing what time of day what style what tempo is there a particular maybe signal chain I have two uh, first let me say I'm not very fond of uh, Sony C800 
but he'd been using one for a very, very long time, uh, actually like a couple years before him and I ever met. Mm -hmm. So that's that's his actual go-to mic. And what I like to do is a C800 to a Neve 1073, original, preferred, um, to an 1176. Um, that's my first go-to mic chain. Now, if those aren't available, then I prefer a U87 to a Neve 1073, original, to a TubeTech CL1B. And in both of those chains, uh, if you analyze it further, there is only one tube element um, in that chain. Two solid state, one tube. Yep. Um, I've experimented with other chains where, you know, C800 and then a CL1B. Mm -hmm. It's just too much tube. Uh, the, the, the body of it starts to sound weird to me. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's the first thing I do when we go to a studio, like when we go out to LK, first thing, you know, I need this mic, I need this pre, I need this, um, you know, compressor, um, this amount of input, these amount of inputs, um, and really just, you know, the mic chain, the sound, and then accommodating our workflow. For someone who may not be completely familiar with all the work that you've done, is there one recording or one album that you would want to point them to as sort of your crowning achievement, the thing you're most proud of, the thing that you go, this is, this really does display me as an engineer at the top of my game. One of my favorites that I've worked on, and especially because of the creativity of, uh, of Bob's creativity, and then what I got to do mixing um, was his Psychedelic Thoughts um, mm -hmm. album. Um, and it's just a very colorful album creatively, um, it's a little bit different, you know. There's some dancey, poppy stuff on there. There's some straight up rap stuff on there, and um, you know, I really just kind of got free reign to just go in and you know just add in a bunch of effects. And honestly, he wanted it to sound very wet. And you know, usually you don't do that in hip hop. You know, you keep it more on the conservative side with reverb and all that stuff. He was there's one song he just completely wanted me to verb out the entire you know chorus so we're like going off the beaten path and that was one of my favorite projects um as far as i, I mean i recorded the whole thing too so a recording mixing um and just being really creative with it that was one of my favorites um this past uh, album um with kevin gates that i did uh, isla it, it was amazing to work on i, I really love that album and then uh you know as you know that that uh, two phones song went uh double actually went double platinum recently so that's been doing really well. So th those are two favorites, uh, B.O.B. Psychedelic Thoughts. Re really every album. You know, uh, Bob's first album, uh, Adventures of Bobby Ray, was, was kind of a like a magical album for me, too, because, I mean, that was actually the first album I ever mixed. Wow. Like, for for Atlantic. And I was like, I was, I'll be honest, I was so nervous. I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> um, so I actually have a hilarious story about that. You mind if I tell you this real quick? Go for it. Go for All it. Right, so check this out. So I get to mix... Uh, B.O.B.'s first album and uh, like I said I was so nervous mm -hmm. and you know usually you know you know, it, it's acceptable to take a day per song to max mm -hmm. you know you have to keep it moving well I, I spent like three days on one song because I'm obsessing over every detail sure um, it was called Ghost in the Machine and I still love that song and um, and the mix on it actually but um, you know the A&R started you know after about five days hey you know you got something for me to listen to and this was on a Friday I was like oh uh, Okay, so I, you know, sent him what I got. Yeah. And at the time, I'm like, I'm being super secure about everything. I'm double password protecting everything. Like, like you have to, you need a password for the download. <laughs> you need a password for the DMG. Yeah. Anyway, I sent, I sent it to him on Friday. About three songs, and uh, didn't hear anything back. And Saturday didn't hear anything. Sunday didn't hear anything back. And then um, 
Monday morning, I, I was mixing at like five in the morning because I had to share the studio. I get an email that said, Joe, I tried all weekend. This isn't working for me. Mm. And I was like, oh my God, I was freaking out. And like completely freaking out. I said, you know, and it's five in the morning, so I can't get a hold of anyone at this point. So yeah. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to keep going until they tell me to stop. Yep. So I moved on to the next song, right? Just started mixing, right? And then about 11 in the morning came and I get a call from the A&R and I said, hey, so, uh, you know, you know, what, what, you know, what's going on? Like, you know, what was the problem? Is, is there anything I could fix? He goes, oh, no. He said, I haven't heard him yet. I couldn't open the files. Oh. Because I double password protected him. <laughs> Right? <laughs> and you and, didn't use password a, as the password. PC, I was on a Mac. So then I get a call back five minutes later. He's like, these are awesome. And I got off the phone. I just started maniacally laughing at myself. I thought I, I thought I messed up my first project ever. And turns out he loved them. Yeah. Oh, God. But I was torturing myself. It was so funny. How many hands does this music have to pass through? Other than the people that are in the room, give me an idea. It sounds like you've got an A and R person. Obviously, you've got you know Bob has to be happy with things. Who else is in this mix of people? It's a little bit different, um, you know, depending on you know the structure of of, of management per artist. And um, usually, I mean, I'll, I'll say for for myself um, with Bob, it's you know obviously he's the most important person to make happy. Um, so Bob, myself. You know, producers, um, but you know, once once it's recorded and it's on the hard drive, it's it's in our hands. And then you know, you have the, you know, the the record label A and R who kind of manages the the project and oversees um, you know what's going on. And then you know, obviously, mastering engineer and their assistant possibly, but really, it's it's kind of limited to you know after the actual recording, it's kind of limited to just a handful of people. Mm-hmm. So what are what are the kind of steps other than say encryption are there any technologies that you use or modalities you have to use to keep all this stuff under wraps cuz with the internet being like it is all it takes is one errant intern and then your your hit single that you you are trying to be very methodical about releasing all of a sudden it's all over the internet and it's for free what do you have to do to protect that Oh yeah I I pass for protect every single Every single file that's sent is password protected. Um, some people um, that we send to, it's stream only, so you can hear it but can't download it. Right. Um, and you know, we've we've actually never had we never had a leak. Knock on wood. But that's that's yeah, that's just from uh, you know keeping on top of it and you know making sure that it gets to the right hands and that um, you know it is password protected if it is sent. That's that's really it. It's just keeping an eye on it and you know not being careless. With you know, I never a file never goes straight into an email where anyone can download it. You know what I mean? Usually, like if, even if someone does get your email, they're not going to know what to do with the file anyway, right? Or they're not going to have the password to download it. Are you guys using any kind of branded services? I know I get calls from different people that have all these paid services where you can basically upload to their server into a repository and that sort of thing. Are you guys just... Yeah, well, there, there, there's, there's quite a few that you could use. There's WeTransfer, um, there's Hightail, there's um, Box. And, you know, with the uh, with the paid services, you can uh, password protect uh, any any file you send. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's, there's, lots of, there's lots of options for, you know, cloud-based uh, file sharing. Got you. Guys, we're going to take a quick break just to hear about our sponsors, and then we're going to get right back into this conversation with my buddy Joe Fitzgerald. You know, as 
good as business has been for me, as successful as I've been in my own music and audio related business, business can be tedious. Business, at least the office part of it, is not something I really enjoy. I don't enjoy sitting and invoicing and and doing all the kind of stuff that you have to do. But that's why there's FreshBooks. FreshBooks is a simple and intuitive system that lets you spend less time on paperwork. And the way it looks, you'll wow your clients with how professional all your documentation looks. You can automate time-consuming tasks like organizing expenses, tracking your time, or, or following up with clients after you've billed them using just a few clicks. And because everything's organized in the cloud, you can access your FreshBooks from anywhere, your desktop, your phone, or your tablet. It doesn't matter where you are, you can do the business of your business. And if you'll go to faderjocks.com slash FreshBooks right now, you can try it for 30 days. Invoicing, expenses, time tracking, even take payments online through FreshBooks. That's faderjocks.com slash FreshBooks. Try it for 30 days. I've been using it for years, and now it's time for you to use what all the cool kids are using, FreshBooks. Guys, anybody that knows me well knows that I'm always looking to increase my productivity and level up on the abilities that I have to do the work that I do every day. And there's one thing that I started using a couple of years ago that has really helped me put my brain in a completely different gear, and that's Alpha Brain from on it. Now, if you haven't already heard of nootropics, nootropics are dietary supplements that help support increased brain function, including memory, focus, and processing speed. So whether it's a work project, a social gathering, or some very athletic musical performance that you need to achieve, taking Alpha Brain is like adding an extra gear for your brain. It's a way to level up naturally. So go to faderjocks.com slash brain today and try Alpha Brain for 30 days. I've been taking it every day for the past few years, and I've seen a huge difference in my mental capacity to process and remember and be faster about thinking. Alpha Brain is all natural. It's herbal. There are no harsh or dangerous chemicals. So you don't have to worry about frying anything. You're not getting any weird, buzzy highs. They also have a money-back guarantee. They call it their keep-it guarantee. And this is how much they are confident about their product. If you try it and you don't like it, you just send them an email. They'll give you 100% of your money back, and you can keep the rest of that month. You don't even have to send it back. That's how confident they are. And I'm so confident, I decided I wanted them as one of the sponsors for our podcast. I really do think that Alpha Brain can be that extra little thing that you need to level up in your life and in your career. So that's Alpha Brain. Go to faderjocks.com slash brain. Try it for 30 days. Alpha Brain from Onnit.com. It's like getting a sixth gear for the sports car that is your brain. So tell me, in 
the tier that you work, the tier of the music business that you work, sales are a super important consideration and awards to a certain degree or consideration to the camp. Are they a consideration to you at all in the work that you do? Do you think about that at all? Any of that? Well, stuff? well yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I, I you know, I want to. I would would love validation for my work. You know, knowing that people enjoy, you know, the music that I put my my ears to and, and my hands on. Um, but also, I mean, yeah, I mean, it it does help um, career wise as well. It helps, uh, you know, to be in demand. Um, to be creating uh, sounds, uh, music that uh, people people enjoy, you know, it gives your you know you as an engineer a, a level of demand for for more work. So tell me, is there a particular engineer or producer, or maybe even a recording that really inspires you? Andy Wallace, mixing engineer. He mixed uh, Nirvana's Nevermind, um, Lincoln Park, uh, Chevelle. Um, I've actually dissected listened to and dissected a lot of his mixes. I mean, it's funny because I do believe that he came from a, a dance music background and then went into rock. And one of the things I really like about um, his mixes is how solid, you know, his uh, his drums are and, and his bass. And there's a lot of little um, things that I've picked up from his mixes that, believe it or not, I actually use in hip-hop. Hmm. Um, like some, some kick drum treatments and um, stuff like that. But anyway, um, he's worked on some of my favorite music. And, you know, in rock, he's, he's actually, you know, just the overall solidity and uh, presence and... and the the bigness of his mixes yeah um is actually a big influence on me yeah and i actually you know come to think about it you know i haven't really thought about that that kind of a question but that's the same thing i strive for uh, when i'm mixing is you know some is a big sound big and open uh, with a with a big vocal three-dimensional with you know very solid you know bass and kick and, and drums everything nice and solid but 3d at the same time other than the things like that that have inspired you are there any people like mentors or other engineers that really helped you get to where you are in your skill set, people that have maybe firsthand showed you or pulled you aside or corrected you or people that have been very beneficial to help you grow? Um, actually, no. Um, I've kind of done most everything through trial and error. Um, trial and error. I mean, I, I do. I am friends with some amazing engineers. Um, my friend uh, Elliot Carter, who is TI's engineer, I, I worked with him um, under him actually um, at at TI's old studio, um, and just really through conversation of just like you know kicking ideas off of each other, you know, out having a beer. Um, you know, there's definitely growth that way, and there's uh, people that I look up to, like uh, TK from Silent Sound. Is just oh yeah. Oh, so you want to talk about a real engineer, yeah. an OG engineer? That, <laughs> that guy sure. is just phenomenal. I texted him the other day. I was having problems with a C800 and just wealth of information. He's That guy is so, so smart and on top of his game. Um, but, but really, like as far as like being pulled aside and um, adjusting my methods, uh, I've never actually had that. Um, I've just kind of adjusted things on my own and, and kind of gotten – I've developed my own methods. Uh, mixing, I've knew no one showed me how to mix. Nothing like that. It's just listen, make it, and make it sound like it's supposed to sound. I actually, um, the first job I ever worked at for a studio was in Philadelphia. It was my friend uh, Eric from Creep Records. He had a studio and a record label, and I was recording like punk and hardcore bands. And 
it was funny. Um, talk about being thrown into the fire. I had, um, you know, just helped him rewire his studio. And I have, like, no recording experience at this point. Yeah. And, you know, I'm down there. He has a band there recording. His girlfriend wants to go out for a bite to eat. He goes, hey, feel like recording this bass for me? And, okay, cool. But, like, turn I couldn't even get... You know, it wasn't sounding right. And I said, hey, Eric, you know, I called him on his cell phone. And at the time, it was, it was no iPhones. They were flip phones. Eric, you know, he goes, man, he's like, I'm out to eat. He said, just make it sound good. That's it. That's all you got to do. Just make it sound good. Wow. But honestly, honestly, that um, that simple philosophy, just make it sound good, has, has you know, followed me throughout the entire time. Like, anytime there's, you know, there's, there, you know, there's no technical way to do Whatever technical you know, way you need to do to, to get something done, fine. But at the end of the day, just make it sound good. So if there's a, you know, like say, for exa- ex- example, there's a problem in a mix and there's going to be like 10 different ways to take care of it. And the more experienced, you know, one gets, you have about 10 different ways to solve any problem. Right. And, you know, you'll automatically go to the, the, the most efficient and the easiest one. And as you go, you learn more efficient and easy ways to go about things. But at the end of the day, it's just just make it sound good. There, there, there are rules, but there really are no rules. Just make it sound good. Just make it sound good. Yep. It's easier said than done, but that's a great piece of advice. <laughs> oh, it's, well, it's, well, it's, 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 a, it's a mindset of being able to simplify things. Sure. You know what I mean? You talked about TK and Elliot, and let's talk for a second about the Atlanta engineering community. Mm-hmm. From my experience, there are some amazing engineers in this amazing. town. And and they're great people. How integral are those relationships for you in just living and existing and being a part of the world that you're in? Well, first, let me say this: I I, I travel all over. I go, you know I go to L.A., New York, Miami, and you know I've met tons of engineers in various studios. And really, the community of engineers we have here in Atlanta, I feel. Are some of the best in the country. Now, we are uh, a hip hop based, um, for the most part, city. Um, and when we were talking about earlier about the differences between a uh, hip hop session and other kinds of sessions, there's a lot of chaos. So there's a lot of people who've been thrown into the fire and tempered. And there's a lot of really outstanding, quick engineers who figure things out so quickly and are making things sound so good. And, you know, Doing the same thing, learning how to keep it simple and just make it sound good. Um, but the the importance of a community, like they're just amazing. Like we have um, the Atlanta recording community, and you know we all get on there and, and post issues and, and talk to each other and um, help each other solve problems. And um, you know uh, we're supposed to, you know, one, one of my goals uh, for starting that uh, recording community was to to meet up more often mm-hmm. and to to get together and, and chit chat in person because um, you know before. For that, you know, there's tons of studios in the city, but like, say, the studio I worked at, we didn't know anyone at the studio down the street, so it was kind of like an effort to bring everyone together. But yeah, like, uh, an amazing community, great people, awesome engineers. I feel like they're some of the best in the country concentrated in this city, to be honest with you, and uh, just absolutely great people all around. Yeah, for people that don't know, there's there's a Facebook group, the Atlanta Recording Community, that's just a whole mixture of of engineers and producers and, and recording musicians too that, that have studios. 
And we're, we're all there several times. I'm there at least once a day. I'm checking in to see who's posted what or somebody needs something or uh, there's always something funny up there. So if, if you're in the Atlanta area and you are an engineer or a, a music producer or a recording musician, you might want to search and see about joining that because it's a great way to, uh, to initially virtually meet some of the movers and the shakers that are here in, in this town. And occasionally we, we can be found out having beers together at one in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's another, that's another thing too. Like, um, you know, we, we need to do more meetups and, you know, if you're, if you're part of the group, more than welcome to come out, you know, come, come meet everyone and chit chat and talk about engineering anytime. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's, let's go back a second and, what would an 18-year-old Joe Fitzgerald think about Joe now? The guy who was recording punk bands and, you know, playing guitar. What would he think of Joe now? That's a good that's a good that's a good question. When I first went to school, I thought I was going to be recording bands. Um, really? Yeah, but but you know what? I mean, personally, I I I love what I'm doing right now. I love the music I work with. And uh, I can't really say what an 18-year-old would say because, you know, I'm, I'm influenced right now. But I, th- I think he'd be pretty proud of himself. He'd probably tell himself to skip school, though, and skip the uh, student loan bill. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, <laughs> but that's another thing, too, though. Like, I, I've met some great engineers, and, and some of them have not gone to school. They've just been in it and just gotten experience. And um, school is great. It's a great foundation. It's a great place to start. But it's abs- it's actually not really necessary. You know, if you have an aptitude for you know, obviously music, but also technology, just get your hands dirty, go in and try it and, and figure things out and, and talk to other people, other engineers, you know, who can point you in, you know, the right direction. I mean, cause you're going to do that anyway, after school, you, sure. know, you have to go get your hands dirty anyway. Yeah. But I think, I, I think I, I, I kind of like what I do. I, I wouldn't mind work, working on a rock album here or there, but you know, that's fine. Well, we'll throw it out there in the universe and we'll yeah, see if it just comes some, back. Some, some variety. We'll throw it out there. Just, you know, we need to let you stretch the Andy Wallace part of you just a little bit more, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know if I'm that good. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so let's uh, let's take a look at that 18-year-old Joe, and uh, let's, let's put him in 2016, and so for just a second, you're not you anymore. You're the 18-year-old version of you. It's 2016. All the work you've done at this point has vanished. It's, it doesn't exist. Your reputation isn't there. Uh, the recordings you've made, they, they don't exist. You're having to start over in 2016 as an 18-year-old guitar-playing audio engineer. And all you have is a 1000 bucks and a MacBook Pro. What are you going to do to get started, Joe? 1000 bucks and a MacBook Pro? Yes. And am I making music or am I engineering? Uh, probably a little bit of both since you're a guitar player. Yeah. Well, first, the first thing is I'd, I'd go and get a um, an interface and a microphone. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd Apogee Duet. I love that. Yep. Uh, it's small format, two inputs, two outputs. Um, obviously, uh, an SM57 for you know record you know basic recording guitars and. Mm-hmm. And then probably some kind of vocal mic, and um, you know, I, I, you know, it, it, gear's expensive. I, can we have two thousand dollars instead of one? Because <laughs> we gotta add some speakers in there too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You do need some speakers, don't you? Uh, yeah. 
But yeah, an interface to to and and some microphones to to get you know to get your music in the computer and start working on it. Right. Is there anything anything else that you would do besides just doing the work itself? Is there anything that you would do to maybe build your your network or your community of people? If you're just starting out and maybe the only guys you know are guys you played in bands with or something, how, how would you meet more folks? Oh, oh yeah. Well, well, I mean, just for example, getting on that that Facebook page and and chatting with people and talking with people and and meeting people and when there is a meetup, go out there and absolutely meet people. And then, um, you know, then there, there's also um, the, the recording academy and the Grammys, and they hold a bunch of events. There are tons and tons of musical events and networking events in the city so you know definitely um be involved and and network and get to know people absolutely let me throw out a question to you that uh that i don't usually throw out to people but i think you're a good one to to maybe answer it from your vantage point and working at the tier that you work where do you see the music business going and expanding over say the next five or ten years everybody says we're in a slump I kind of think we're just in that little dip right before some grand revolution happens. What, what do you see going on? Well, we're definitely moving towards a lot of streaming, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it still feels like we're playing catch up after you know 2000, 2000 and Napster. I mean, like we 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 weren't able to capitalize on um, digital music quickly enough, and it still feels like we're playing catch up. Um, but you know, I, I, I definitely see us moving towards uh, streaming formats like almost exclusively. And, you know, now actually um, for streaming only, um, they, they do count towards um, sales, I guess, and, and credits and, um, and also um, for Grammy consideration as well, you know, through streaming. Yep. Um, and then uh, actually TK posted something online um, about um, – uh, advances in metadata that you know uh, are included with the digital files for for credits for engineers and yep. it's yeah it's 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 still expanding and being developed but it's it's I think it's moving in the right direction actually the the accessibility I mean there, there's so much music available to us mm-hmm. um, and instead of like clamping down on that and trying to monetize and you know the old old fashioned way. I, I think it's embracing it and moving forward with it is actually going to be a really positive thing, especially for exposure for artists. And then um, actually, like with the um, like I said with the credits, exposure for for everyone working on on on, on media content. Sure. Well, man. I appreciate you for your time and, and coming and hanging out with me and talking about this stuff. Absolutely. I think there are a lot of people that uh, that are going to get a lot of value out of what you had to say today. I want to acknowledge you for doing great work. Because Thank you, Brian. There, there's definitely, if there's one thing I can say about all the things that I've that I own that I've bought that you've worked on, is that there is a very high level of quality to the sounds of those recordings and those mixes. So I want to acknowledge you for that. And Thank you. there's a reason why you're operating in the tier that you're operating. It's because you're great at what you do. So how would people be able to reach out to you on social if they had a question or if they wanted to follow what you do in the course of any given week? Um, honestly, you know, if you have a question, um, 
be a part of the Atlanta uh, recording community. Post post it on there. I, I'm on there. I reply to every every post on there. Even at three in the uh, morning, you're on yeah, there. Yeah, even at three in the morning, a lot of us are. You saw that, huh? Yeah, I did. I <laughs> we're was, gonna have to. We're gonna have to have a three a.m. time meetup. I felt so you. lonely. I was just clicking, clacking on my keyboard and popping and clicking with my mouse. And oh, it's funny. Doing Matt, a little. Matt still, Matt still was up. <laughs> Sam Thomas was up. Uh, both also great engineers, yeah. amazing engineers. Matt, oh my God, Matt! Yeah, another wealth of information and knowledge oh, yeah. and, and experience. Just it's it's always mind blowing to, to speak with him. For sure, for sure, absolutely. So yeah, heck, if you're not a member of the Atlanta recording community, maybe you ought to try and join that Facebook group so that eventually you'll end up in Atlanta and you'll be a part of the Atlanta recording community. Joe, hey, we we have people on there that are that are in LA too. Yeah, you know, they yeah they're participating as well. It's it's getting so, to be a smaller and smaller world. It really is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, my my Instagram is at um, Joe Fitz Engineer, um, and same same thing for my my Facebook page at at Joe Fitz Engineer. You anytime something comes out, I I, I post about it. So cool. Well, thanks so much, yeah. man. I appreciate you. All right, I, I appreciate you, Brian. Thank All right. you. Right, we'll see. You. Man, I hope you got as much out of that as I did. It's a very interesting glimpse into a very different world from what I normally get to see and maybe what you normally get to see. Thanks so much to Joe Fitzgerald for taking the time to sit and talk with me about what he does and how he does it and uh, giving you some great information that maybe can help you as you're working on either building or growing your own audio engineering career. And thanks again so much for listening to the show every single week. If you dig the show, please, by all means, send me an email, faderjocks at gmail.com. If you have any questions, any comments, that's the place to put those. Follow us on all the socials, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram. I'll be back to posting lots of things this week. And uh, if you dig the podcast, tell a friend. By next week, we should be in the iTunes store and a lot of other places. So whatever you use to listen to your podcast, you'll be able to get us. Thanks so much. It's great hanging out with you every week. And I guess I'll see you again next week. But until then, let's all go out there and let's be awesome. Awesome.